Hello and welcome to Board Culture. I'm Woke Chill. I am here uh, this week with Artisan Collectors uh, Richard, a.k.a. R. Mendes, and uh, Michael, a.k.a. Joey Quinn. What's up, guys? Hey. hey. Um, so we got together. I, I contacted you all a while ago because I was interested in forming a history of artisan keycaps and YouTube being probably the two foremost or, or at least uh, two of the best known uh, artisan collectors in the community. Uh, Y'all have put together the Herculean task of, of sort of, you know, putting together a history of early artisan history. You know, it's such a complex narrative that maybe figuring out how we got here can best be done by looking backwards to sort of the, the beginning of artisan keycaps. So when did y'all each first start collecting keycaps? Um, Richard, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, it actually wasn't that long ago for me. Um, at the end of 2016, I was uh, doing a, a new PC build after, after a long time. I was uh, updating a, a rig for, as, as many people do, for, for a, a new game. <laughs> and uh, I was um, looking for a keyboard that reminded me of uh, what I had when I was a kid in the 80s, uh, an old IBM. I had an old IBM Luggable, uh, which I found out you know, in my research was a, beam, uh, a buckling spring key, keyboard. Uh, and when I searched online, I came across initially, I think, Desk Authority, and then uh, Geek Hack, and then ultimately Reddit uh, Mechanical Keyboard Sub. And uh, I saw these these little artisans on some of the in some of the pictures, and I I, I looked closer, and uh, that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say end of 2016. I think I maybe bought my first one either December 2016 or January 2016, and then yeah, I've been I got sucked right in. So that, that's me. Pretty, pretty recent for me. Nice. And, and Michael, how about you? Uh, so I had to, I had to actually dig back through my, a lot of my old pictures to figure out exactly when I first started collecting artisan keycaps. But, um, my first caps would have been in October of 2014. Uh, and that's when I, really started exploring Geek Hack more and, uh, you know, looking at the artisan section and trying to figure out what was going on. And I ended up buying a hypno cap, which was uh, a painted blank, because in 2014, a lot more people were painting blanks, it seemed. Um, and then I also got a Robot V2 right around then. Uh, yeah, so... Nice. Yeah, in that I don't know. It I I I think as far as active collectors go now, I've been around not the longest, definitely not the longest, because we have people like Binge who have been around since two thousand nine who are still doing stuff with artisans. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I've seen the market change quite a bit as I've stuck around, so I've always kind of loved the history aspect of it, and you know, looking at where nice. we started. Yeah. So. Um... So I, I contacted you first and I was like, hey, let's, you know, maybe let's do like an artisan history episode. You being, uh, I saw your, your collection in Seattle. I actually saw some of both of your collections at the last Seattle meetup. And I thought, oh my God, that's, those are insane collections. Surely they know a lot about this. And uh, you, you tagged Rich and, and together you all put together a hell of a Google Doc, I have to say, uh, compiling the history of artisans. 
So just taking a look, uh, you know, this will this will be a multi-part series uh, over the next couple of weeks. We'll kind of record little bits of uh, each covering and sort of an epoch of of artisan history. Uh, the way that y'all have divided it, it seems like so the first section is early artisans from 2010 to 2012. We're calling this the Bronze Age. Uh, the next being second wave artisans, 2013 to 2015, the Silver Age. And then we'll end on on sort of talking about collecting. Um, so I think, yeah, this is great. Uh, so why don't we start with the uh, the Bronze Age? Sounds good. Yeah. And by the way, these terms are kind of like a reverse of the uh, of, of the comic book, uh, you know, um, you know, bronze, silver, gold ages. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like the earliest one should have been bronze and not golden <laughs> perspective. I think we are in the golden age now, but with, with kind of the explosion and proliferation of new makers. But that's very optimistic. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, the bronze age, I guess, you know, we need to start as with all uh, you know, historical artisan discussions with Clack. Um, and uh, it, it's it's an auspicious time, I guess, because we're in the middle of uh, Clack coming back to the community and doing some uh, some sales. Uh, in the last few days, I guess, he's been active on Geek Hack. And, and, uh, and just for those mm -hmm. who are, who are uh, listening to this, I'm, we're recording this, I guess, this session on December 8th. So, yeah, he's been on for a few days doing a doing a round of clack vent style. Clack vent style, exactly. So that's yeah, exciting. <laughs> yeah, a lot of newbies to, to that sale, that type of sale, including myself, are getting exposed to it. So it's an exciting time. Um, yeah, this was my first real, um, you know, vintage artisan, I guess, quote unquote. Um, loved the simplicity. Didn't really appreciate it uh, as much until later on, right uh, after I had had, had you know looked at a few of them uh, up close i think the first one i got was i think a hack orange um and just you know until you hold it in your hands and you've compared it to other artisans you you realize like how it's 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 got a lot of like heft to it or weight to it mm -hmm. really well made um it, it's almost like the material is different um you know i i, I heard uh know from, from other makers that he experimented with a lot of um, different resins and stuff and has a, a background in this space but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll let uh, Mike so so just just to clarify you are talking about you know, you know the, the, the Rosetta, Rosetta Stone, Stone of Artisan, artisan collecting, collecting the Clack yeah, Skull so to, to touch on the material thing Clack has professionally worked in uh, the, the toy industry so he has access to equipment and would have experiment or experience with um, various prototyping resins. But also, if you go through and look at the the Clack FAQ and look through the list of materials he's experimented with making keycaps in, uh, the the number of different materials is in the dozens at this point, including a, a very wide range of polymers, stuff like carbon fiber, ceramics moving all the way to some edible options like sugar and chocolate <laughs> and, uh, and plenty of <laughs> other unconventional stuff like ice cream, apparently. Um, so yeah, Clack, Clack has experimented a lot, but it's, it's safe to say that a lot of his keycaps are not necessarily made of the typical enthusiast-grade resins that you would uh find at a local hobby store it, it, it's yeah and I, I i didn't really know about you know his background at the time so um yeah it was it was quite something to 
you know, uh, hold one of those. And then, you know, later on, I ended up getting, I guess, what's known as a clack, a Mark II. I'm trying to remember what my first Mark II skull was. I think it might have been a Night Owl. Um, with with the you know if if you don't know the Mark Twos they have this kind of like shiny kind of a, a gradient eyes give them, them a lot of crazy depth mm. like visual depth give them a lot of crazy depth and and just and 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 just the process of making those I think you know um, kudos another maker explained to me was pretty sophisticated right Mike I I'm not sure how complicated the process is to to do but I don't think it would be an easy thing to necessarily replicate unless you know, like, uh, unless you knew what exactly the materials were used. I know, I know there's some theories as to how it was done, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't cast keycaps, so I have a hard time sometimes saying how, how difficult something would be to actually replicate. I, I can't say that nobody else has hmm. achieved the Mark II eye effect. Quite yet, yeah. Then I remember you telling me about the, uh, you know, the scotopic, the, the semi-trans effect, and I, when I first put it on top of an LED and saw the two gradients, the red and green, I was blown away. Yeah, scotopic's one of my favorite kind of caps because when it when when that color effect was discovered, people thought it was some crazy magic thing that Clack was doing, where he was like secretly encapsulating a red shot inside of all the green and you couldn't see any of the red from the outside but you can only see it when you backlit it um but what it actually is is you take a crystal clear keycap and you saturate it with enough pigment that when you run light through it it refracts around enough that and in the end you only end up with a red wavelength so it's it, it functions the same way a sunset does but on a much smaller scale because you have a much higher pigment density these are really you know advanced techniques already within i mean when when did scotopic come out Uh, roughly 2015 i want to say i don't oh okay so this is this is moving forward into how he yeah i don't i don't and i don't even know if that was intentional because some keycaps have come out beforehand that did the same thing but i don't know if anyone was really aware it was happening or was trying to do it intentionally. I think it was just a byproduct of the colors produced, but who's to say mm. what, what caused the creation of that color? I can't say I know exactly sure, how it yeah. works though, because I, I created a movie that was a proof of concept to try and get the same color effect to happen. And it, it did work. <laughs> it, it might be wizard. <laughs> <laughs> And for people who are listening who may not know, the scotopic is essentially a, a, a cap that it looks like a black skull with the with the Mark II shiny green eyes um, until you put it over a LED, at which point you start to see kind of translucent, you know, red and green um, resins. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's definitely an impressive skull to look at. Uh, so what other work has, has Clack done over the years? Yeah, so I, I, I'm actually, I have to claim ignorance in terms of the chronological order of his sculpts, but the, um, you know, I, certainly, you know, the, the enthusiasts will, will refer to kind of his eagles, the blue trub and the freedom eagle, eagle as the um, kind of the pinnacle of, you know, of, of, of artisan, <laughs> of artisan sculpting. 
Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that was his. Wh- wh- where did that fall into in terms of his chronology, Mike? Was that early? Uh, so I'm trying to think the because I think both of those sculpts came out around the same time because they both would have been present in the last Halloween EK so Elite Keyboards sale for Clack, and I want. I want to say that it was 2015, 2014. I don't actually remember exactly, but sometime around then. Hold on. Um, but there's still, I mean, that the the amount of stuff that Clack has sculpted that we've seen is a lot lower than the amount he's actually sculpted and released. Because a lot yeah, higher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or, yeah, the amount that he sculpted that we haven't seen is a lot higher than than the amount that we have. Um, he's the, the, he he hints at it around various places, and we've seen the little clips and pictures, like like the Clack Donut, and then Ripster has had uh, some interesting resin writing looking pieces, like the the smiley face. Um, but yeah, as far as shown sculpts go, the the freedom or the the eagle is definitely. Up at the top for complexity, and and you know all of the artisan makers that I talked to that have been around really you know since uh, you know 2010 or, or 2012 or anything like that they seem to always look towards Clack as like this very influential person that they either wouldn't be in it or wouldn't think about keycaps the way that they do without him sort of beginning with a, a very clear idea and, and, and pushing it and, and showing what you could do with keycaps. Yeah. Okay, so I just double-checked Freedom, or the Eagles were 2014, which means Ogres would have also been around then. Um, but yeah, Clack was, he was just always pushing the envelope. He was he was setting bars so far ahead of anyone else that, like, OG, OG Try, so the, the triple, the, the triple color Clack White skull, black base, red eyes. That was a multi-shot cap cast in 2010 that is cleaner than a good amount of artisan makers are, are pulling off today. And that cap is now mm-hmm. approaching, you know, nine years old. That's, <laughs> which is just <laughs> insane. It's really incredible to see. I mean, you know, not to dis- not, not to diminish the work of the other earlier artisans and we're going to talk about them at that time but you you can clearly tell like the other the other artisans you know were in the you know experimental phases right trying to create something whereas clack it almost felt like and maybe we didn't see you know a lot of his earlier stuff like mike said you know maybe it wasn't released but it, it seemed like he just came onto the scene with stuff that you'd find today right so truly yeah, ahead of his, his time even his earliest caps seem almost professional quality compared to a lot of the stuff you would see for for the next several years in artisan keycaps. Even now, like, for example, if you look at the ogre sculpt, right, um, to me, and maybe this goes back to his, you know, toy or industry background, Mike, but it almost looks like it's, it's taken off like a modern action figure, right? That, I think, ties into a little bit of Clack's job, which is he 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 would sculpt. Uh, part of what he did was sculpting um, 
scale figures uh, and like anatomical figures. Um, and so that could be a little bit of a wash over from from that, at least stylistically. Wow. Stylistically and, and even the material, right? It's almost as if, you know, I, I realize it wasn't injection molded, but it's almost as if it was in terms of it's, it's just, you know, per- perfect, you know, surface and things like that. With that kind of a background in toy design, it it's sort of, I mean, it, it it's quite an achievement, but it, he was sort of a ringer when he came into the community, it sounds like, just because he had this background in, you know, commercial art or, or, or toy design. Um, his his sculptures so detailed. <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of a little bit of how this how artisans started out though. It's just people who had experience with things related to that were like, hey, you know, I want something to customize my keyboard because at this point in the U.S. we didn't, mm-hmm. especially in 2010, customs didn't exist in the U.S. They just weren't a reality. You had a vintage keyboard or. Mm-hmm. You had a stock keyboard from Corsair, Philco, Razor, whoever, that you might have put mm-hmm. some vintage keycaps on. Like, there weren't big aluminum customs. So, you know, if you wanted to, if, if you were the kind of person who could have possibly made a keycap and you looked at your keyboard and were like, hey, maybe I should make a keycap for that. Like, that's just, that's just how it popped up. So I think it, it kind of makes sense to a certain extent why mm. people with, I guess, previous experience like clack would be you know gravitated towards it yeah thank you for that important context that's that's good to know yeah keyboards after all were driving this right but yeah absolutely and i remember you know you mentioned uh you know it's kind of like a a bar for other artisans i I, at a meetup once um i was speaking with with uh kudos and and marcus for eat the food separately right separate discussions and i asked each of them because i'm always curious to know you know those are artisans i look up to significant you know a lot and we'll talk about them as well but um i asked them independently what they felt was kind of the um you know the the holy grail of 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 artisan you know caps and what they liked and um both of them told me independently that the clack leaf was their favorite uh, possibly the most underrated (laughs) clack despite clacks all being pretty thoroughly hyped and already having plenty of attention <laughs> so can y'all describe the leaf for for those who haven't seen so it? the thing that makes the leaf impressive is that if you look at it the center of the leaf still has the texture of a regular keycap which means the leaf was carved to some extent into a keycap but carving the leaf into a plastic keycap and having that control and getting it that clean could be difficult but if you then cast a clay keycap and you try to call, carve that in, you could deform the sides or deform the top, and the clack leaf shows none of those. It is it is still exactly a match to OEM profile. Same texture on the top, same texture within the leaf, with a perfectly clean cutout of a nice little pot leaf right in the center. <laughs> you know, it's almost like it was laser etched or something, right? It, uh, it, it it's It's... And again, it's not one of those things you really think of casually as you look at the cap, right? You're like, oh, a blank with a you know leaf scratched into it. What's the big deal? And then when you start to think about, well, wait a minute. If I was to do this, how would I make this? Yeah, how the hell would you make it? <laughs> and then you realize, and and I think that's why you know folks like you know Marcus and 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 kudos, you know, 
look up to it is because as, as makers, they're constantly looking at how they would do it and they realize, you know, it, it's pretty amazing what he did with it, right? Or how he did it. Yeah. I, I found out later, uh, because I'm a neophyte, of course, that there's two variants yep. of a leaf. Leafy and toast. Or not leafy, or sorry, oh, natural and toast. Oh, wow, I'm tired. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that keeps me interested in class now is just the amount that we don't know. The, the number of single shots out there, the amount of materials he experimented with, all the crazy caps that went out that have been whispered about and heard about and talked about but never posted anywhere. And that just that like I I can't stop digging. I'll never <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to pull myself <laughs> away from like what actually is out there with with class. With yeah, class. he's it, it definitely one of the makers that has you know so much depth and breadth, and you know you can keep keep researching and always find something new. It's 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 quite amazing. Even though he's kind of you know taken a big absence from the from the hobby. Um, speaking of being ahead of his time, I think so. He was the first to do anything with, with uh, uh, tri tritium, right? That uh, uh, in the in the capacitor um, was the capacitor. Oh first, yeah, these tritium or rods, was right? The uh, senzanite owl first. You know the 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 night owl variant. I it probably would have been one of those two. Um, I I would assume he was probably the first to throw tritium in a cap i can't yeah that that sounds about right because then nubinator probably would have been um yeah nubinator probably would have been second then yep um you know the the one that um the one sculpt that is is probably less less talked about when you talk about clack but mm -hmm. that is always fascinated me is the vader um and the reason is you know it's obvious you know, it's a, certainly a cap that you know people could have copied and stuff but when i saw that one again just the finish of it and the little kind of wear marks you know almost like the paint brushing away the silver in some of the corners which i initially thought was literally damaged to the cap right? <laughs> until I contacted somebody who had one to confirm with him that's part of it is just like the attention to detail is just amazing. Yeah, it's insane. Um, that's what you got to love about Clacks though. Yeah, you, you can, you can. There's always a new detail to discover. To just discover, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to see him active again. Um, hopefully, yeah, uh, he's doing ho better. yeah, hopefully he'll, uh, maybe start producing some new stuff as well. And yeah, it'd be great. I mean, just, just having more inventory in the community is fantastic. I, I won't say he's producing new stuff until Girl Shark Grey comes out. So alongside Clack, uh, what other makers came out around that same time um, that you would put sort of uh, right after Clack? So Clack, you got to remember, was never super open about, other than saying like, hey, these are the materials that, that I've tried and stuff like that. He was never super open about the process. He never made a, a casting mm -hmm. guide, never did anything like that. So he, he was making keycaps and inspiring people to try and make keycaps, but he wasn't saying like, hey, this is how you do it. So there were, there were no casting guides anywhere. Um, but then in late 2011, this guy who goes by the username Ishtab, on, uh, on Geekat comes around and he creates 
the first uh, ever artisan casting guide um, on Geek Hack. Uh, he started out just by making blanks, and from 2011 to 2013, for the most part, really only made blanks. But what he did do um, is he created that first casting guide, so the first artisan casting resource we had. He also continued mm-hmm. experimenting and was posting about cold casting keycaps and trying to cast like the cold cast metal keycaps and trying to, to polish them, working with trying to develop some sort of sculpt. He ended up making a little zergling um, thing. Um, so, so Michael, can you, can you talk about what cold casting is? Okay. So cold casting is when you take uh, a me- like a fine metal powder and you, you take your, your resin and you saturate it with as much of the metal powder as you can so that when you end up casting it, the, the keycap is made out of resin, but you can get it to look like metal, feel like metal, polish like metal, patina-like metal, mm-hmm. um, even though it's not actually a, a solid piece of metal. So it's like casting it in metal, but easier because... You don't have to deal with red hot liquid metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like an. Although advantage. some people have cast keycaps out of red hot liquid metal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something um, we can touch on later. But yeah, Ishtab he he just did a lot as far as furthering general community knowledge on creating artisan keycaps. Nice. Well, thank you, yeah. Ishtab. <laughs> Just to give some context, the thread that um, Mike's referring to on Geek Hack was uh, 6th of November, 2011. Yep. <laughs> wow. wow. We've we've come so far since then, but, you know, there's there's still artisan guides coming out, new artisan tools coming out yeah. to make things easier. Um, but it's, it's nice to know, you know, it, it's interesting that we can kind of point to exactly where it started in terms of the first guide. Yeah. Okay, so after Ishtab, uh, what happened next? So that's uh, that that's one of my favorite artisans, even though they're kind of low quality and super goofy. But that's uh, <laughs> that would be that would be Boost. So talking about artisan Boost. archives or, or artisan casting guides, Boost is another artisan casting guide. He would have been the second artisan casting guide on Geekhack. Um and also, Boost would have been completely unaware of Ishtab's casting guide. So this was early enough that there were so few of these resources that people generally, like, they might not have found the artisan casting guide. He, he Boost, in his first post, explains Clack being an inspiration, but Ishtab isn't mentioned. As far as I'm aware, he, he had no clue who Ishtab was. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Boost is, Boost is an interesting case, too, because he did some some weird things and actually ishtab kind of did these weird things too but um that revolves so what kind of weird things (laughs) so like you know people today you look at an artisan keycap and you're like i'm gonna make a keycap where do the sprues go oh they come from the bottom of the keycap they go in the same direction as the stem like that they're like that's that's just what sprues on a keycap look like but why would you put them on the bottom? Look at look at an injection molding keycap. Where's the sprue mark? It's on the back of the keycap. So what Boost and Ishtop were doing is they would put one really big sprue sticking off the back of the keycap. 
And then after casting the keycap, they would cut off that big sprue on the back and then sand down the back of the keycap to make it flat and look nice. So as far as I know, a, a sprue, if I understand it correctly, <laughs> is uh, this is one of the little uh, sort of uh, outlets or inlets that you have sort of off of the mold that allow liquid or air to yeah, flow in or out. Yeah, it's so if you have air bubbles developing from, you know, moisture in the mold that then heats up and vaporizes, it's so that that gas can can get out or force out any extra resin without deforming the mold and oh, so it's for gas and resin yeah. to get out. You you, you can you can fill then, in through okay. the sprues, but it's also it's an outlet, so any excess pressure just leaves instead of messing up what you're trying to cast. You can you initially you know when you when you close the two halves of the mold, you you do tend to kind of fill it a little bit more with some yeah. resin there. But when you put it in the uh, you know in the pressure chamber or what have you, it's it's an outlet for the gas. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I, yeah, these these were so this is a good example, right, Mike, of like what you would expect a early early stage Bronze Age cap to look like, right? Not yeah. like the quality that you got from Clack, but something more along the lines of Boost. And I remember yeah. when I when I had one, I had a purple one, which I think I passed on to yeah, you. Yeah, I currently have that cap. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it had a real handmade feel, right? Like you could see where it was sanded, and the the edges of the bottom were not like you know perfectly, uh, you know, yeah. consistent. Yeah, and, the, right? the caps back then still involved a lot of post finishing. Not just the the bottoms weren't necessarily sanded. Like the entire keycap would have been sanded to some extent, and then polished to some extent. Like it's it's crazy, and yeah, they did feel a lot more handmade because. I don't know, they were kind of rough, and the artisans would make some weird decisions that now seem kind of confusing, but it's because back then, they're just, the info just wasn't out there. It's just, you could look at a cat, or a, a clack, but nobody could explain how the hell clack did what he was doing. This is another example of how far ahead of his time clack was. Like, if you look at the, you know, two boost, the same boost sculpts, right, but three of them together, they would all look slightly different and varied, right, because they were yeah. all hand sent. Uh, sanded and finished you can take like probably 10 clack skulls of the same colorway put them together and have a very difficult time telling which switch where yep. there's a difference and i i you know even today like i've only seen that from like some of the makers who are at the top of their game right like 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 gaff and kudos stuff like that um so <laughs> it's amazing that clack was doing that you know such a long time ago yeah truly is so after boost would be girl dc all right tell me about girl dc to be honest i don't have a whole lot of um girl dc collection collection but um the one that you know what, what i what i um um know about this maker is that they were the first to experiment with uh with 3d printed elements right um and uh, there's a distinctive look and feel to, to at least the modern caps from girl dc i have the old BC, the old PC, um, which is a neat little cap that you know it's a little you know monitor and keyboard. 3D yeah, 3D, right? 3D, yeah, and it's yeah. got it's got different elements. I think some of them are fit together or glued together, or what have you. But um, really, yeah, really neat. Yeah, really cool neat. assembled look to it. Exactly, exactly. And again, I think you know I I don't know exactly when what date uh, Girl DC first started, but 
that would be July 2012. July 2012. So again, yeah. right, another example of an early maker experimenting with different media. Um, uh, a lot of Girl DC's early work would have also been cast metal, too. So solid actual metal keycaps, not cold cast metal keycaps. So stuff oh, like wow. like the the little ghost and the and the whale and uh I think there were some Gundam head design ones too. Yeah, Girl C it was it was a lot of experimentation, but it was also a lot of metal keycaps early on that I think shifted into three D printed designs that were then cast in resin. This is also, um, Girl DC is uh, one of the earlier overseas makers, correct? Yes, correct. Based in Korea? I think so. Which, if you consider where the customs originated from, is not too surprising. Yeah, customs had already existed for a good while. And then Korea had also started, um, like the, the Korean side of the, the community had also started experimenting with um scarface blanks so the the those cast um aluminum blanks um for zinc no aluminum um those cast blanks would have been made in i want to say they were designed in 2007 or something along those lines and then they were produced in 2009 so the idea of like custom keycaps had been experimented with but it wasn't the artisan approach that we saw from the u.s quite yet Sure, it's it's not it's ornamentation, but it's not quite the artisan uh, sort yeah. of resin, yeah, yeah sculpted yeah. community that that we're talking about. That yeah, that's yeah. good to delineate. Yeah, it was it was a different style of artistic keycap. Exactly, but I think uh, you know a, a good um, you know early example of um, an influential you know uh, overseas maker, and we're starting to see more of them now from different countries and in Asia. So it's it's. Uh, it was, I guess, uh, it's good to see. So next on the list, it looks like we have Martin, also known today as Hot Keys Project. Hot Keys Project, yeah. Starting out originally, Martin would be the, his name, but uh, starting out as Gas Mask Keycap would have been the the maker name, and that's because they, they only made gas masks. And then I think the Iron Mask V1 was also released under the Gas Mask name before... He rebranded to Hotkeys Project in July 2014. September 2012 is when the first ones were being made. So then, yeah, it was like a year and a half later that the, the rebrand to Hotkeys happened. Yeah, uh, Hotkeys was always kind of like a crowd favorite because they were higher production, easily accessible. The, the sculpts looked good. A lot of colorways. They were very collectible. Probably Mark, you know, Martin Gas, the Gas Mask or Hockey's Project is kind of the make maker that ultimately kind of democratized artisans, right, and made it more available and more accessible. Yeah, it very much so. Very I remember so. when I started. So back in twenty sixteen, late twenty sixteen, um, they they were you know they were the easiest trip for me to get. Right, I'd stumbled upon. Hotkeys project because I had no idea about trading and things like that, and I picked up. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It was some sort of robotic uh, sculpt and and one of the deadheads, which I yeah. actually still like to this. No, they're 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 fun. 
hockeys are fun. And they're not, <laughs> like, they don't necessarily, like, oh, we're not really talking about value in this, but they don't necessarily hold the crazy value that other artisans can approach, but that does not mean they're low quality by any means. They're they're clean, they're nice, you get good vibrant colors, they're just not necessarily viewed as being And like, by the way, it was a trooper and a ra- it was a trooper and a raven. Ah. You can still get today. And by the way, for those wondering like, well why why is it that, you know, you guys are talking about nice high quality sculpts or, and they're not that that, you know, highly valued is is because, you know, um Part of it is that they are mass produced, so they're injection molded. So that and yes, so later on it shifted to that. Yeah, later on, yeah, at least under Hotkey's project, right? Yes, it was molded. And so you know, like like anything else, not just in artisans. You know, if something's mass produced like that, it tends to have a little bit less value. It's kind of like a print versus you know a hand painted canvas art, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why. But it, I I think they're extremely you know when you're when you're first starting out. Definitely worth you know picking up a couple. They're not expensive and they're they they look really good. Mm-hmm. And one of this this we're gonna flash back to to Clack for a little bit and the the many mysteries of Clack that we'll probably never see pictures of. Um, <laughs> Martin is the topic of or the the center of the first ever artisan keycap drama. Bum bum bum. Yeah. Ooh, juicy. Um, and what happened is, so in in September 2012, Martin's coming around like gas mask keycap, posting the, these gas masks. They they look real like compare it compared to Boost or compared to Ishtab. They looked very very clean, not as good as Clax, but a lot closer to Clax than Ishtab or Boost were. And Clack comes around and pops into one of the threads and says something along the lines of, it's really interesting that you should post a gas mask keycap because I made a prototype gas mask keycap and sent out a few of them. And I'm not saying that you necessarily saw this design or had access to one of these designs, but I know that I sent one of these to somebody not too far away from you. And your gas mask looks a lot like my gas mask. And he's saying it, he, 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 he doesn't accuse him of stealing it, but he says, you know, it just seems a little fishy, the, the timing of all this and similarities between the two. <laughs> and now we, we, we've never seen this clack gas mask. As far as I'm aware, no picture of it has been posted anywhere. And as far as I'm aware, no more than that prototype number was ever produced. So I, I can't say a whole lot about it. But it's kind of almost one of the reasons that I have a, a small gas mask V1 collection. Because I look at them and part of me is like, maybe this is my way of kind of accessing the world of clacks that nobody will ever see again. And, you know, it if it's true that they were a copy, like, I would feel bad about owning it. But we're talking about a keycap that maybe a dozen people have seen and nobody has taken a picture of and nobody will take a picture of. Like, yeah, it, there's no So it's a gun. really weird situation. Hmm. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it Yeah, exist? like it's... It, it does if people post about it. Yeah, so it's, it's this keycap that only exists because Clack 
decided to say it did in that moment. Because had Clack not brought it up, the people who have that keycap wouldn't have been at liberty to post it. So when did when did Martin go from Martin to Hotkeys Project? Because that is the name under which I originally heard of him through like master op sales and stuff like that. July twenty fourteen is 2014. when the gas mask rebrand happened. Yeah, so mid twenty fourteen and twenty fourteen was a big year for artisans popping up. It's when we really saw the the number of makers really ramp up and the whole idea of artisan design really start accelerating. And then that, that brings us to kind of the silver age, I guess. Yeah. Uh, where we first uh, kind of, you know, bigger wave of, of uh, more makers come on the scene. That's where we see a lot of the people pop up who are still around today. All right. And um, that brings us to the end of the Bronze Age. Uh, come back next week and we will uh, give you the silver age and, and end on collecting in the final episode. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and uh, stay tuned.